Let us pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, hallowed be thy name. Help us to constantly be mindful to give you the proper reverence and glory that belongs to you. We are sinful creatures and our whole being is deadened How much be hard to say, but we're deadened to the senses and sensitivity of thy greatness and majesty. We really don't want to be that way, and we long for the day when all of that will be laid aside to be with you in our resurrected body lost in the richness of your divine being forever. not so lost that we'll be unconscious. It'll be a glorious reality. Of the truth of your being like we've never known before. Paul mentioned Absent from the body, present with the Lord. And so it shall be if we die before your return. But that's not the final reality. Our bodies shall come forth out of the grave or be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at your return in Christ. What that will be like, we have no concept other than what you have told us in your word and even those descriptions that we see at various places throughout the Holy Scriptures are so overwhelming that we confess sometimes it seems like a dream. But it's not. Just as real as We are bearing the image of the earthy. 
and who can deny our existence except those who fancy that we're only a figment of our own imagination? We shall bear the image of the heavenly. That is, those of us who have been redeemed by the precious blood of Christ. Others will be cast into the lake of fire in the blackness of darkness forever. Blaspheming the Holy One that created them. And were it not for your grace and mercy, that's where we would be. May the truth of your salvation temper our natural being to conform us to the holiness of Christ. For it is in His name we pray. Amen. Coming back to 1 John 4, verse 1. We left off this morning talking about uh, Christ spoke about false prophets and how that we are to beware of them and that there were even unclean spirits in the day of Christ, and so likewise, most likely are today. Look at Mark chapter 20, uh, chapter 1. Picking up in verse 23, and there, and there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. Now this was in Capernaum. And you need to remember that Capernaum was a real place at the north end of the Sea of Galilee. Real place. And Jesus was there. You say, why do you emphasize that as being a real place? Well, there are some people that say that the Bible uh, is not necessarily historically accurate. And it doesn't matter whether they're real places or not. It's just that the principle is true. No, it's a real place. I walked there in Capernaum. Anyway, there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And I don't know through all of the wars and destructions uh, whether the synagogue they showed us, that which is torn down, but had some of the foundation and so on, it might have been the very same synagogue that I saw when I was there. And it might not be, but anyway, there was a synagogue and a man with an unclean spirit cried out, saying, Let us alone. 
one man, but a multiplicity of spirits, evidently. Let us alone, what have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Now notice these unclean spirits recognized Jesus of Nazareth. And then notice this. They also recognized, Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. The devils know who Christ is. They knew who He was when He was on the earth. They knew, they know who He is now. And when you have questioning thoughts of the reality of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's only because of these spirits lying to you. Lying spirits. Lying spirits. Uh, I don't know that I have it in my notes, but that reminds me, hold your finger there and mark. If you turn, you don't have to turn. But I'm going to Acts chapter 5. You remember, remember Ananias and Sapphira? Notice what it said. Well, I'll just begin at the first verse. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter saith unto, uh, but Peter said, Ananias, notice this, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land. Notice, Satan filled his heart. Satan filled his heart. Peter said in verse 9 to the woman, how is it that ye have agreed to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? So see, they not only uh, lied to the congregation, they lied to the Holy Ghost they tempt the Spirit of the Lord. So you can see that our sins involve far more than just ourselves. But back in Mark, this unclean spirit cried out, Let us alone. Jesus of Nazareth, have you come to destroy us? 
And we know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him. And they were all amazed, insomuch that they questioned among themselves, saying, What thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority he commandeth, he with authority commandeth he even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. Look at Mark chapter 3. Verse 11. And unclean spirits, plural, not just one, when they saw him, fell down before him and cried, saying, Thou art the Son of God. Notice, these unclean spirits told the truth. They knew that Jesus was the Son of God. That's Mark 3, 11. That's not enough. Look at chapter 5 of Mark. Starting at verse 1, And they came over unto the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. Why would a person cut himself with stones? Why would a person cut himself? Why would a person pierce himself through with a bunch of stuff. Why would he mark up and disfigure his body? But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him and cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? Notice this man that had an unclean spirit recognized Jesus, the Son of the Most High God. I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, that is, Jesus said to the man, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. 
And he besought him much that he would not send them uh, away out of the country. Now there, uh, now there was there nine to the mountains a great herd of swine feeding, and all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine that we may enter into them. But here you can see that this, these unclean spirits speaking the truth. You say, what are you saying? I'm saying that just because somebody says something that's true doesn't mean that everything they're saying is true. You have to keep the whole thing in perspective in perspective. Acts chapter 16. Verse 16. And it came to pass as we went to prayer... A certain damsel, possessed with a spirit of divination, met us, which besought her masters much gained by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us, and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this did she many days, but Paul, being grieved, turned and said, to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. So you can see that here was someone of the spirit of divination. Now, here's something I want you to think about. Not that I can give you any one, two, three step guidelines to say if somebody has a spirit of the devil or not. But such things still exist, no doubt. Some people might say, well, that was just in the day of Paul. Why should it happen in the day of Paul and not still be happening? There was a man that I know. Well, I knew he's passed on now. got down and was really bad off financially. He was a good friend of mine. He was in a distant city. He got down so bad that he was actually uh, scraping up change out of the city fountain on the court square to come up with enough money to get something to eat. Eventually, 
he feigned, that is, he disguised himself as being uh, somewhat insane so that he would be committed to the mental institute institution in the city so he would have a bed to sleep on and food to eat and stayed there for some weeks. He had quite a this kind of a side light, side note, but uh, he really uh, uh, had quite an ordeal in uh, uh, giving some of the psychologists and psychiatrists there a difficult time <laughs> because he really wasn't insane, but he was playing the part and uh, he would ask them questions and say things that uh, they didn't know what to do with him. <laughs> but uh, I didn't say all of that to get into that, but uh, but he mentioned people that were in there, and he mentioned one individual that uh, kept uh, uh, stayed with me. He said there was a little old woman in there. He said she probably didn't weigh 90 pounds. But every once in a while, something would come over her and it would take six huge, muscular men to restrain her. He was convinced it was demon possession. You say, what do you think? I think, I don't know. I wasn't there. I wouldn't argue with him. And I say that's a possibility. And the sad part about it is we live in a society now that anybody that doesn't go along with the establishment is considered insane or mentally incompetent. I think it's gone overboard. And I think a lot of people are, well, I don't know whether I should say a lot. Uh, I think there are people that uh, have been put into such institutions when really there was nothing wrong with them, but they were put there to kindly uh, keep them from causing trouble with uh, maybe the government or society or whatever. But I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I still maintain that there are evil spirits around. Why would the Lord tell us to try such if, if not? In Acts chapter 19... We see another situation. This was Paul living in Ephesus, 
And it appeared that he was renting a school building there. Or maybe a part of the building. Maybe a room in it. In verse 9 it says, And when divers were hardened and believed not, but spake evil of that way before the multitude, he, that is Paul, departed from them and separated the disciples, disputing daily in the school of one Tyrannius. In other words, it'd be like, uh, say, I were to rent a place in one of the school buildings around for people to come and have a Bible study. And this continued by the space of two years. So that all, which, all they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the, of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. There's a lot involved in that one verse. And Paul wrought special miracles, excuse me, and God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul, so that from his body were brought unto the sick hand, handkerchiefs, or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preacheth. And there were seven sons of one Siva, a Jew, and chief of the priest which did so. In other words, these seven sons were exercising demons, so it seems. And the evil spirit answered and said, this is kindly a humorous verse to me, but yet quite serious on the other hand. Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are ye? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. Here's where one man beat up seven. One man beat up seven. That shows extraordinary strength. See, there were seven sons of Siva. But the evil spirit in whom the man was leaped on them and drove out seven. But my point is, that not only in the Old Testament, but even in the New Testament, there were evil spirits. And evil spirits that had quite a bit of some type of understanding. Turn to Philippians chapter 5, excuse me, Ephesians chapter 5.
Now we're going to look at another concept. In other words, I'm going to, we, we've been looking at unclean spirits and unclean spirits that speak the truth. But now I want to us want us to look at the spirit of God influencing us as Christians. Now, if time were to permit it, we'd have to do a whole uh, more than one sermon on the influence of the Spirit of God upon Christians and so on, but we don't have time for that. Like I said, uh, what I'm showing to a large degree is just kindly an overview. But in Ephesians 5.19, it says, Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. We need to sing spiritual songs. Obviously, we don't need to be singing spiritual songs of the wrong spirit. Spiritual songs of the right spirit. And as we try to point out occasionally from time to time, certain songs even in our own songbooks that may have an element in it that's not exactly kosher. We'd have to maybe know the mindset of the, the, the songwriter. He might mean something different than what we are perceiving from it. But, and then you have to take the song overall because sometimes in poetry... A, a person may use poetical license to use certain phrases when it's not uh, meant to uh, convey a theology. For example, there are some songs that talk about the death of Christ and it talks about when God died for our sins. Well, God didn't die. And we know that. But we also know that uh, Acts chapter 20, verse 28 talks about that, uh, that the congregation of God was redeemed by the blood of God. So there, what's, what's it talking about? It's talking about the incarnation of the second person of the Trinity. So that's the reason we have to make sure we're giving the sense of what's being said sometimes and uh, uh, not to... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not make something more out of what is being said than what the author meant. Hopefully you know what I'm trying to say. In other words, 
we want to be as accurate as possible, but we don't want to be uh, righteous over much, as Ecclesiastes talks about. But we need to speak it with spiritual songs. Our songs need to be spiritual. That is, they need to be truth. Philippians chapter 3 In verse 3 it says, For we are the circumcision which worship God in spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Our spirits are to be involved in worship. Not just the mind, not just the physical body, but our spirits. And of course, sermons could be preached on that in itself. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 9. For this cause also since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. We need to have the understanding of the Spirit and spiritual understanding of God. Chapter 3 and verse 16 to go along with the passage in Ephesians 5.19 Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. So, all of this is kindly giving an overview of the Spirit when it said, try the spirits. This is everything from the preacher all the way down to the songs that we sing as well as false prophets. So there's a lot involved in this try the Spirit. Believe not every spirit. You can't believe every spirit, as we saw. And some spirits that you can believe, uh, that is, some spirits that actually said the truth were evil spirits. So this thing of trying the Spirit is no small matter. No small matter. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God. That's what we have to distinguish. Did this Spirit come from God. Did this and I believe that we could include our disposition. What do you mean by that? Look in first Corinthians chapter five.
Here is the issue of this man that was sleeping with his father's wife. It's believed that he was sleeping with his stepmother. Now start in verse 1. It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you and such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles. In other words, he said, what you're doing the Gentiles don't even do. You've taken your so-called Christian liberty that you're sinning worse than the world. That one should have his father's wife. And you're puffed up. They were bragging about it. And have not rather mourned that he that hath done this deed might be taken away from among you. Notice. For I for I verily was absent or as absent in body, in other words, I'm not there, but present in spirit. Now that that didn't mean that Paul's spirit went out of him and went to Corinth. What it means is Paul's attitude, Paul's disposition, Paul's belief. have judged already as though I were present concerning him that hath done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together, and my Spirit, when you've come together with the same attitude and the same belief that I have. See, trying the Spirit includes what someone believes. Their disposition also. With the power of our Lord Jesus Christ to deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the Spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. In other words, here again, Spirit is talking about the person's disposition. It's not talking about being regenerated or not. Paul wasn't saying, you exclude this man so he'll be born again. He wasn't saying, exclude this man so he'll be saved from his sins. You exclude this man so he might repent and be restored and not have to give an account of that sin in the day of judgment because he's already gotten forgiveness for it. Speaking as a man. Obviously, if he, if he is a child of, was a child of grace, which we assume that he was, because I believe in Second Corinthians it talks about this man that he had repented and Paul said to restore him. But I won't go down, I won't look, look at all of that. 
But my point is, here the word spirit used three times, twice referring to Paul and the congregation, and once referring to the man. It's talking about their disposition, his attitude, his belief. So when we try the spirits, try the spirit to whether they're of God or not. In other words, was Paul's spirit of God when he said, You do this when you have my spirit? Yes, because what Paul was saying was what the scriptures say. You see how trying the spirits by application can broaden the horizon just beyond ministers per se, though this is what is being taught in this verse, mainly ministers, but it can, by application, be used with anybody and everyone. Even what we read this morning from this news uh, thing in in uh, West uh, in uh, Minnesota, I don't have any question saying what's going on there is of the devil, and our government is funding it. And I'm sure that things like that could be multiplied in just about every state, if not every state, and maybe even around the world. We live in such a perverse society. So we need to know whether something is of God or not. How do we know if something is of God? According to the Word. According to the Word. It says, For many false prophets are gone out into the world. This gone out is perfect active indicative. What that means is that they not only have gone out in the past, but they are presently active in their seduction. In other words, this is not just in the days of John. It's in our day too. It's in our day too. Many false prophets are gone out into the world. Gone out, like I said, means that they've gone in the past and continuing to practice. And he said, Believe not every spirit. Believe not is present active imperative, which means stop believing every spirit. So it indicates here 
that some were believing the false teachings of the day. And John was having, uh, by inspiration of God, to teach them. Now you quit believing that. And if there's any that's listening to me that has been has been deceived or are uh, are being deceived, stop it. Stop it. Get your head in the book. See what the Bible says. Try your own ministers. Study and see what they preach. Are they preaching the Word of God? Or are they preaching some type of a motivational speech? Take some text out of the Bible, uh, or some verses or some saying out of the Bible, then build a sermon around it. That's usually what people do. Instead of just exegeting the Word of God and saying what it says verse by verse by verse, Nothing wrong on preaching on subjects as long as what you're preaching is the truth of the Scriptures. Stop believing every spirit, but try the Spirit. This word try just simply means to test it. To test it. We won't look at all of them. Well, in fact, let's just stop there and come back next time. Uh, because if I try to look at some of these verses, uh, we won't look at all 28 times it's used, but we'll look at a few so you can get an idea of what, what it is. Christianity is not a lazy religion. It takes work. It takes work. And we don't want to get to the point that we're, quote, looking for a devil behind every blade of grass, end of quote. And we don't want to get to the point to say, well, is this of God? Is this not of God? Is this of God? Just read your Bible, study the book, and ask God to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. And I believe that in doing that, God will give you the understanding and the spiritual wisdom that you need in order to fulfill His Word in your section of the kingdom. Remember, we all are individuals. And what one believer may understand, another believer may not. 
And so I don't want you to get so agitated or bound up that you think that you've got to give a thorough investigation of each and every word and expression that a minister may say. But at the same time, I want you to be aware of the fact that you're responsible before God to be able to have a spirit of spiritual discernment of the truth versus error. I don't know that I am competent enough to give you, to give each one of you a clear outline that would fit you personally. I believe God has to do that. I can only preach the Scriptures and leave it with Him and you. Let's pray. Thank You, Father, for Your Word. Bless us not to take it lightly. But bless us to have the liberty and the freedom to worship and serve You faithfully in Your kingdom. In Jesus' name, Amen.